Welcome to Love Beyond Limits. We are your hosts, Desire, a polyamorous submissive, and Purity, a monogamous dominant sadist. Our perspectives may differ, but our goal is the same. We are all about empowering you to navigate the crazy world of modern dating so you can get the love you deserve and the sex life the scissors with a hint of king thrown in. Join two friends as they talk about dating dilemmas, teeny sexcapades, and unconventional relationships. Whether you are curious about poly, dipping your toes in the kinky scene, or just want some real talk on love, sex, and the whole shebang, you are in the right place. Together, let's break boundaries and redefine what true love really is. Welcome to a new episode, and we are recording this episode in a, such a special time because my voice is absolutely stunning today. I think I cut a cold, so here it is, my special story. Today we have a special episode as I'll be talking to Purity about how she embraced her true nature. Purity has the face of an angel, and she has a heart of gold that is a weather hidden beneath so <laughs> <laughs> she can be, that I say it, a real bitch. <laughs> and we met like 15 years ago, 16 years ago now. Almost 17 years ago. Wow. And, and you are still alive. I can't even begin to tell you the amount of times this woman has insulted me without even realizing it. I almost thought, hmm, there must be something underneath this. And there was recently you have embraced your true nature as a sadist. Indeed I have. Earlier this year I discovered or better say this piece of the puzzle of me being a sadist found its right place into my life and I knew exactly where to incorporate it and where it fitted and since then I'm just living my life fully absolutely fully and happy. It was important for us to do this episode because there is a lot of misconceptions and stigma about what sadism is, what being a sadist is and so we hope through this uh, episode to debunk some of these myths and if you relate to purity to a story the way she was feeling and because you're not giving yourself the permission to express this type of view you may unknowingly take it out on the people around you so there is a way to actually express your true nature that is empowering and fulfilling for everyone involved are you saying you want to get away with it our friendship and me not to bestow my sadistic nature on you and our friendship from now on and Please. only <laughs> and only to put this piece of the puzzle into the BDSM life and like sexually I am a sadist like 24-7 I think you noticed that since the beginning I didn't know she was a sadist but I definitely knew how rude she can be don't you want to politely say blunt and straightforward instead of rude well you are the one that always insists on the truth the brutal truth yes the brutal truth indeed and since I moved here in London I was uh, called a few times rude because here the culture is different than where I grew up in Eastern Europe and people here express themselves politely just a glimpse of how the series came out in real life but before we go there can you share with us what sadism is to you specifically I'm already giggling and uh, laughing sadism for me is 
is inflicting pain. I love inflicting pain to people, obviously with consent. I'm talking about impact play in like the BDSM world, play in the bedroom. But also I have to say that studies for me, it's reflecting also in real life through my jokes, through the way I talk, because I have some very ironic or um, cutthroat jokes, if I must say, very salty jokes. Some people maybe they don't understand or they feel like they are too pointy. And also the way that I'm talking, like very straightforward, blunt, I say whatever I want to say without any filters, without being afraid of people like judging me or having misconceptions. And even though I want, I know that the things that I'm going to say are going to bother the people around me, I'm still, I'm still saying it. And you sometimes are telling me, are you aware of the things that you are saying? Are you aware of the words that are coming out from my mouth? And I say like, what did I say? What did I say? Like even, even yesterday we had one of those, like where I express myself like to extinct people. It was exterminate, exterminate. (laughs) She's a Dalek, guys. I think I will need to publish like the dictionary of purity, how to talk to purity, yes. right? Because some words for me may, may come out too brutal. And personally, I find it hilarious, which is why we are still friends. <laughs> There's no right or wrong here. It's just about learning how you're wired and how to express that in different circumstances. Because there are times when you can be brutal and there are times when you get to be polite. Yes, indeed. This is one of the things that I'm still still working on how to express myself politely and not so brutal in real life, especially with people that I just met, people who don't know me, work-wise, because my friends and those who already know me, they know who I am. They Sometimes they start laughing and, okay, we are having a great time. So earlier this year when uh, I did a course where you actually desire you... <laughs> I am older. Yes. Course. You enrolled me in that course and it was a four-month uh, four course and um, in that course I just uh, discovered I embraced the way and I learned the tools of how to express myself politely and how to let the say this out more softly and gently in the beginning. One of the common feedback that people that meet you for the first time had to say about you is because you are very dominant and very confident so that can come across demanding, can come across uh, as rude, can come across as a bit too much sometimes so Even evil, even evil. And I have to say that this course, why this course helped me so much, because in real life, the people that I met, they just, sometimes they just call me rude or they just cannot take the truth. But during this course, I met obviously new people for the first time in my life. And the environment that was creating during during this four-month course was such a safe environment where we could all express ourselves without judgment and could give ourselves feedback. So then receiving feedback from so many people that I didn't meet before, really hit me hard and I really appreciated the negative and the positive feedback as well and how they would see me speaking how they would understand me how blunt I could come how rude so can you share with us before you realized you were to say this and you learned to harness this power the impact then being a repressed say this had in your life what were the negative effects in your daily life as a young child I was playing a lot with other kids playing 
every day. I grew up uh, in Eastern Europe, like I said, under communism. So we didn't have computers, internet, TV and stuff. So we are every day after school uh, playing outside. But even before going to school, I remember playing with the kids and being one, you would call me a bully, but I was, I was not one of the bullies. I was like, let's say in the middle, because uh, I was playing with the bigger kids. Those there were bullies, but I was playing with the softer kids as well, younger kids. I was always, from the beginning, I was very straightforward. I really enjoyed a lot the stories that the older kids were telling when we are all gathering around 20, 30 kids, especially in the evening towards like 8, 9 p.m. And we are getting around and they're telling some horror stories, some invented, obviously, ghosts, phantom stories. And I really, really loved that. My heart was starting to pump. I felt the excitement while the other kids were terrified. They had the fear in their eyes. And I love watching the other kids, how they were like, oh my God, stop saying it. I cannot go home now. It's too dark. I'm afraid to go home. I absolutely loved and I loved scaring the other kids, me and the older ones. I remember playing a lot with the boys back then. And I've always been, like you said, like a dominant, very masculine energy. These ghost stories and even walking in the cemetery at night, we were like trying to scare the smaller kids. And even though I was like six years old or seven years old, we are still playing with like 12 or 13 years old kids. And they will take me with them because they saw like I was not afraid and I really have uh, joy and happiness like from let's see, like let's see the thrill. So right then I, I felt that something it's very casual with me, like very normal with me in these horror stories, in this like other kids have fear of darkness. I never had. So I thought like, why? I, I felt myself a bit different than the other. You judge yourself? Say sometimes I, I don't know if I perceive it a judgment back then but I was wondering why do I have this pleasure of seeing the fear in the eyes of other kids when they were afraid afraid of the dark and I, I would see them oh my god you are such a softie why are you afraid it's just darkness why are you afraid it's just ghost stories you know like nothing of that is real or even if it was like real we are going into the cemetery like I said me and some other friends and we are like trying to look for ghosts I remember one time the moment that we entered the cemetery we we're like five of us and only me and another guy like had the courage to go in and actually, you know, explore the cemetery. The others just came, came there, but didn't have the courage to move forward. And I was like, why? Let, let's see. Let's see if there are really ghosts, you know, let's see. So for me, it was like, why am I like this? And the other kids are so afraid. Didn't think that was judgment, but like I was always like this. And even when we are playing some, um, I wouldn't say like violent games, but like cops and robbers or um, just climbing in the trees, climbing the fences, running, you know, sometimes we are falling. I had many, many accidents and I injured myself my knees my arms and we were like having bloody wounds and other kids like oh my god it hurts so much okay I'm going to stay in in house and heal for like two or three days and I was just like I wouldn't even go home like the blood was like you know pouring and not no I'm not going home because they would stop me they would not allow me to play and I was like oh it's just an injury it doesn't matter it's just blood like let's move it my other kids were just fainting from blood I felt that I was feeling so normal in this unnormal world and what other consequences did you experience growing up I know you also lost a few people in your life as well friendships this was the maybe let's say for me the fun part while playing because when you are kids you are still playing but then when I was growing up and let's say like 12 14 years old the game stopped and the sadist couldn't express 
through games and he started expressing through words. I started, let's say it was maybe not harder for me to form friendships because I'm very sociable. Yes. I'm, I'm smiling all the time. And you are very friendly and yeah, you are very fun. People are drawn to your energy. Yes, indeed, they are drawn. So it's easy for me to make friends, but it's not easy for me to keep friends. Along the way, I had very few long-term friendships, like real, real, real friendships. I managed to keep those only because I let some of my vulnerable I showed them how I was inside and they also took the time to get to know me. Cheerios to them for like putting up with me with my blunt jokes all the time and maybe with my ironic and insults. <laughs> if I didn't see them then as insults, I would just say in harsh words. I wouldn't say like, oh, this dress doesn't suit you or this dress doesn't look well on you. It's like, oh my God, this dress is horrible on you. Like, can't you see yourself in this dress? It makes you fat or like, that's not your color at all. Like, you're horrible. Just take off this dress. I would say things like that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you buying? <laughs> Where was your head? How, how did you come to buy that? You are forced. Like, they killed you or what? Like, they threatened you. Like, I just instantly say that. I don't I don't even think it. Sometimes I just say it. And uh, along the way, yeah, I, I kind of lost friends because, let's face it, who, who wants to hear that all the time? It's not used to this bluntness or this truth. Although I appreciate it when people tell me the same way. And I don't see it as rude or I don't see it exactly as blind because, like, it's their feedback on me. And even though I may not like it on, in the moment, I always think afterwards, hmm, do I really look good in this dress? Maybe she was right. Maybe he was right. Even, like, when giving me advices or talking about other topics in the moment I may not take the feedback the way that I want to but then I still uh, think and uh, I I say yeah maybe they are right and there are people that welcome that butcher honest feedback and other people that need to hear the same thing in a softer way and now we are talking about sadism but this is true for anything really when you repress a part of yourself because again sadism is not something that is talked about definitely not encouraged so the only response is either you repress it but even if you repress it it just comes out in other ways w would you say that you had the sadistic you all your life or did it develop over time my feeling is that i had it all along in my life i think it grew much stronger over the time also because of the the society the way that i was brought up to my parents as well my dad being a very harsh person a controller there was no room for mistakes or like doing things the wrong way punishments i don't like to talk about that like about that part of my life but i think yeah i was my sadist let's say that it was encouraged to grow more and more and even when i was like i remember i was like 14 years old i started to take an interest a lot in the documentary movies uh, i was changing like from horror movies to documentary movies about crimes uh, crime investigations serial killers even now like i i'm going to sleep listening to crime documentaries and like serial killers like it's something that i'm really passionate and i'm like trying to discover and murder evidence i at one point i would have loved to become a detective like or a forensic detective or something and catch the bad guys you know even though i'm thinking about the horror stories and horror movies about blood crime scenes and stuff i don't want to be on the evil side i want to be on the on the good side on the angel side so that's why i'm keeping my <laughs> angel face you are like a very lovely person really have a heart of course so being a sadist is not about being a bad person but you can use your sadism for a good cause 
when was the first time that you realized that you are a sadist? I remember showing you the BDSM test and you knew you wanted immediately to do yours. You told me about the test and how I love tests and I said, let's do it, let's do it instantly. I remember we were doing it together, like you were asking the questions, but I was there and the more that she was asking the questions, I was like, I was teasing her and I was saying, I believe you're going to be a 100% sadist based on your answers. And I was like, no, I don't believe it, don't think so. Because I was asking you like the meaning of some questions. I didn't yes. uh, exactly understand the meaning. And I was like, no, it's impossible. Like, I, I, I don't think so. No, how come? I'm like, I'm the sweetest person. Out. There was a question about, would you like to inflict pain? Yes, 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 100%. I remember the test was from low to very high. So yes. you can choose something the in the middle. A spectrum. The spectrum. Yeah, and I was always going for like the top, the top. <laughs> 100%. And I was like, finally, it all starts making so much sense. And what were the results? The, re the results, like, I was shocked. Like, my eyes were, like, popping out, you know, just like the eyes of a snail. I was like, what? Like, the first one was 100% switch. And the next one was, like, 100% sadies. Yeah, I'm still not convinced that the switch part is accurate. But the sadies part was spot on. <laughs> Yes, the switch part is accurate in terms like I'm, I don't know, like 100% switch in case like, yes, I can be a switch, but I'm not 50% dominant or 50% submissive. I will say more 80% dominant and 20% submissive. Yes. And I now throughout this year, like while exploring my sadies in the BDSM world, I realized that uh, I can switch only for certain people. Yes. I won't switch for everyone. So it has to be like a very dominant guy and depends on the, on the things that we agree I should be submissive to. This also goes into the realm of relationships. I've seen it happen so many times if you fall in love with someone and the first you have six months of amazing sex and then all of a sudden honeymoon phase appears, the sexual chemistry is not there anymore. And I found through the BDSM test, finding someone that matches your energy is vital in your case as a sadist because you are so dominant. It's very, very hard for a very dominant person to submit to someone that is less dominant than you. So for you to submit and give your power away to someone else, Indeed. you need to find someone that is predominant for even more. Or I would say even a masochist who has a very high um, dominant percentage, you know, like he likes to receive pain and he's, um, he's very dominant because I don't like to receive pain. So I don't know, like matching with a sadist, no, because I don't like to receive pain. Although I'm very resistant to pain, I would have to say like through throughout my life I had like uh, different health problems even accidents and I was treated without anesthetic many times so I endured a lot of pain I'm not a softy but sexually speaking yeah I don't like to be flogged I don't like the cane to be used on me I like to use it uh, on others and the crops and impact tools actually and uh, yes I can be submissive maybe like like I said like 20% like being you know restrained uh, when handcuffs or like you know having feeling that dominant energy from a man every scene every sexual experience is negotiated
negotiate in advance. My point is that you need to feel that dominant energy from a person, someone that matches you or is even more what? dominant than you to actually get into even the mood of the kind of play. Yeah, definitely. And for me, the mood in that kind of play starts in the mind. I would have to say the sadist always starts in the mind because the sadist and the dominant like create the scenario. And I'm also a sapiosexual. So for me, the brain is very important. Other people, they can get, you know, in the mood just by um, reading erotica or like playing around or the prelude, you know, in the bedroom. But for me, the prelude starts way, way before. I think we talked about in a previous episode yes. that even like going to a dinner or something, obviously the sadist doesn't come out on there. But knowing that your brain matches mine. There is the sadist. There is the persona that you uh, bring out when you play. But then there's this connective from sexual attraction itself. That's it's like a different process. Finally, with an answer, you found out that you were a sadist. And what happened next? I started to put this piece of the puzzle, which was the sadist. I started to integrate it in my sexual life instead of letting it out there in the vanilla life and uh, expressing it only through words and actions. After the initial shock of myself, like I couldn't believe I was 100%. And, and after the satisfaction that you had being right, once the initial shock subsided and you realized you're a sadist, how did you feel? Did you feel shame or guilt or just like freeing, liberating, exciting? I have to say that I felt like finally I am complete because it was the only piece of the puzzle missing. I couldn't find it in the right place and I just put it right then and there in the right place and I said, finally, the puzzle is complete. I know where everything goes. So I was like... You know, like just taking a deep breath and like, that's it. It's complete. It's finally complete. Now I just have to work on this and see how I can make the best of my sadist being into the BDSM and into the sexual world. And you actually introduced me to the BDSM world, like to events, social events, you know, parties and stuff. Another girl who became a friend of mine and we went on a date uh, back in the spring. She told me about Club Pedestal and uh, she told me about several other events. So then I started to say, okay, I will start to explore my sadist side and go to these events and see if I like them. What's the that I will have and I remember like from the first time going to my first party I felt like a fish in the water right then and there like I said so tell us what happened at that first party what did you do I was not prepared for this I was not prepared for this it took me by surprise so let's see at that party I actually wanted to go by myself and I was prepared to go by myself because like I said I'm a confident I have no problem in that I knew there are going to be a, a lot of other people there my female friend explained to me how things are going explained to me everything so I said okay but I ended up going with someone else and anyway did our night separately we just arrived together grab a drink and then everyone uh, both of us uh, just played uh, separately when I went there I explored the entire club with uh, every room that they had I saw people being dressed very not very BDSM because I went afterwards to other parties and they were uh, dressed more extreme but I really really loved the trampling cage my eyes just <laughs> fired up when I saw the trampling cage in person because I heard about these things before and I saw the men lying down in the trampling cage like four men lying down in the trampling cage and girls like uh, stepping on them trampling them stopping them with bare feet some of them with heels but normal heels I didn't see at the time anyone like wearing stilettos and I remember having some platforms and I said okay I want to go for it I want to try and trample the guys and uh, went uh, went in and asked like the dungeon lady or or, you know, there's all 
always uh, someone there from the staff who will explain to you the rules, what you need to be doing. I told her it's my first time. I said, I don't want to go barefoot. Although I saw other ladies going there barefoot, I said, no, I don't want to go barefoot. It feels like too easily. It felt like too soft. Why barefoot? Like this should be about pain and inflicting pain. And come on, I'm just wearing platform wedges. I would have to say I wore some wedges with like very high soles, you know? And I said, like, come on, these are babies. These one hurt, you know, let, let me go in. And uh, I remember the dungeon lady asking the man, like, it's okay for her to go in uh, with this platform because they're not barefoot. And they were like, some of them were like blinking. Okay, yes. You know, it was not, they like not very confident, but they were like, okay, let's yeah, do some it. Some people agreed and not a student. Uh, no, the others agreed, but it was not a full yes. You know, like, okay, let's give it a try. And I remember like I went, I was so happy, smiling, but a little bit afraid at the same time. Being my first time, I was like, let's see how how this goes. I was afraid for myself that I wouldn't perform well. I wasn't afraid <laughs> for them. You know? I got to step on them. I loved <laughs> step on them and tried uh, like the first guy I step on him I could see the glimpse on his face it was already too much for him like the face that he was making it was like mm, you know like the pain and he was like forcing himself and I said okay maybe should should I feel pity for this guy okay and then I put another uh, foot I place another foot onto the other guy so like to be 50 50 on my way it was better you know but I still like I don't want to see them smile and having pleasure. You know, I'm not here for them to give them pleasure. I'm here for me to give myself pleasure and to see them in pain, even in tears, if possible. So then I started uh, trampling uh, each guy individually. And the first two guys, it was like 30 seconds, maybe not even 30 seconds anymore. It was very short because I was disappointed. They were like, no, no, I cannot take it no more, no more. Like I can, I cannot take it. So I had to move on to the other two guys. And one of the guys, I don't remember, like the first or the second, like he already left the cage like he already left the cage probably afraid that i will go back to him you know he, he left the cage like simply left the cage so and I guys said, just a reminder that you don't have to run away you can use the safe words she expects the safe word it was like the universal safe word it was red but they didn't say it they didn't say it. they just left the cage and it was not their time it was not their time because i know you you have to leave the cage when the dungeon lady asks you because your time expired no their time didn't expire and the other guy said no no like don't uh, don't tramp me so i remained with the other two guys and the other two guys performed really well like they were smiling one of the guys i think that he was i don't like very strong masochist and he was pain resistant and i kind of got to play with him but i was like so disappointed come on from four of them like only <laughs> one and a half let's say and what if i would have stilettos because next time uh, on my next party i'm planning to wear uh, 10 centimeter stilettos and i want to like really really inflict the pain plus i've seen like some tutorials and stuff <laughs> like men crying and studying <laughs> i've been studying and i've been talking also to uh to other men and i found only one only one that said okay fine i cannot wait to see you at the next party and i want you to scratch me with my heels as well and i can take the stilettos and i cannot wait for that so we'll we'll have to see how i will scratch his belly his chest and even like maybe you know writing my name on, on his chest on his belly yeah yeah and the knife no with with my heels with my stiletto <laughs> heels like i will i will scratch that and i will see you i 
will see what happens. So yeah, the trampling cage was like really fun for me. The second time when I went, I didn't uh, bring any toys with me because at the time I didn't have any impact toys. I was uh, afterwards, like after a few days, I started purchasing my toys and I had such a really fun night. Basically, I don't know if I had five minutes to myself because guys, submissive slaves were coming to me from everywhere. Like every time I was going to try even to go to the bathroom, they were like, uh, oh goddess, can I uh, give you a foot massage? Oh goddess, can, do you want to play? I would like to play. I have the toys. Like I was approached all the time, like nonstop. I remember playing with a guy who came on the terrace after me and he was just, didn't say anything. He was kneeling in front of me and he just uh, kneeled, he put his hand down and his, uh, he said, just like, use me as you like. And I started scratching him. I remember having like such uh, long and sharp nails and I started uh, beating my nails into his back and like scratching him so hard, so hard. I remember like feeling such pleasure, like feeling so, so excited. I almost have to say that I became a little bit wet from the pain. So I was like, that was the, the prelude, like the prelude for me. <laughs> <laughs> super super excited about that and uh, his back was so red and so scratchy and like I saw a little bit of blood and then I said okay maybe I have to stop the guy never said the safe word he he was enjoying it uh, I'm guessing and I just had to stop when when I saw the blood because I said okay maybe this is too much and also I felt uh, I felt a little bit tired because it takes a lot of effort to inflict uh, this amount of pain so I said okay I'm going to work harder uh, on my exercises and work harder at the gym and and uh, then I had another experience with another guy. It was about ball busting. <laughs> Finally, she fulfilled her lifetime <laughs> fantasy of kicking guys in the balls. Like literally kicking them in the balls because they asked me, you know, we didn't. How many times? <laughs> I don't remember how many times it was uh, It was at that night, but I remember it was like a lot of times and he asked me to do it. We didn't start directly with that, you know, we just. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> we didn't start directly with that. No, no, we just uh, started playing and throughout our game he he said like I would like you to kick me in the balls or something like that and then I did it and the more I kicked him the wetter I became like I was super excited and I remember even telling him like look what you did like I'm super wet and I even took uh, to his hand and placed it on my pants because I was wearing pants I was like very decent very decent wear like black pants and um, I had a shirt that play was so fun then I trampled him a little and then like anyway I would have loved that that time to have uh, some impact toys to have my crop or my cane like that would have been so much fun so yeah that entire night was full of surprises full of fun play even degrading even I uh, I have to say for the first time I uh, degraded some guys the way that I have never done before one of the guys came to me and uh, he asked for like a gold shower and he said like I can come uh, to the bathroom with you and I said like no I didn't feel comfortable I said I'm not going to do this and he offered me drinks throughout the night and I want to mention that I don't drink alcohol like I extremely rarely do and I just drink water and I said how about uh, we can do this I can go to the bathroom I will take this cup and I will just you know pee in the cup and then because he really wanted to drink it so may sound gross for some of you my sadist was super super satisfied so I couldn't wait for the next party and I made so many connections that night I'm still in touch with some men uh, one of them like became my submissive we are going to events together like it's it was an awesome awesome night I remember 
are you coming home in the morning? Feeling so super excited. You were just glowing in a way that I hadn't seen in a long time. You are a very confident person, but life gives everyone's challenges. And you had gone before your last or Mercedes through a challenging time where I wouldn't say you lost your confidence, but it was definitely not as high as it was in the past. And then when you started embracing your Mercedes, actually put that in practice, but you bloomed again. Indeed it is. Uh, many people told me like the transformation that I've gone through uh, in the past year, in 2023, like it was amazing. Like some people who just got to know me back in 2022 and they saw the person that I was then and then how I transformed through yes. 2023, they said like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you are the same person. Like you were saying, maybe I was not lacking confidence so much, but I was like very bloomed, very sad, maybe yeah. the sadness in my eyes, even business-wise, my clients, my uh, community back on Instagram, they realized the way that I was you know, uh, showing up in photos and the way that I'm even showing up now in photos. Like, it was uh, an amazing transformation. And this is part of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast. Last year, I embraced Mercedes. A couple of years back, I embraced my submissive side. We realized that when a woman or a person has the sex life they want, they just come alive. They Their confidence just goes through the roof in a way that nothing else does. I saw that in you last year as well. And maybe you are wondering now, oh, okay, but you can come out into the light because like you are a sadist and you are a dominant, but how about the rest of us? Because some of you out there may be very submissive or you may be degrade, you like to be degraded, you, love, you like, you know, other stuff that maybe are not so... Um, even though you are a submissive or a, a degrade, there is power in that because I met people who are like in the playroom or at the events they like this kind of kinky stuff and in normal life in the vanilla life they are very dominant they are uh, fully smiling very active cheerful people they have a lot of friends like some of them I met them and they are like fully in the open their family knows their friends knows everyone knows about obviously not all the details but they know more about their fetishes and uh, how they are playing in the kinky scene while others are still playing it like 50-50 they don't want to disclose anything about them and it shows I have to say that it really shows through their actions and they are coming only on the parties they are uh, talking about these things only online through fed life or you know within the community but they are not expressing itself yeah. out there and maybe that's why that's where the judgment comes you know from because they are afraid to being judged yeah but if we are coming out there if we are expressing ourselves then it it should become like a normality, you know? Obviously, coming out is a very personal issue and everyone gets to do it in their own time. We have noticed that the more uh, people embrace their true yes, nature, the more comfortable you are with yourself, the more confident you become and the better your life becomes, the better your relationships become, your sex becomes, who becomes, because you just become your true, true self. self. That's why I'm also saying or talking about the BDSM test from like the first the first date or like I'm very I'm freely expressing myself and like I'm talking to people hey did you do the BDSM test or like I'm a sadist I'm dominant because in the past few months this is who I am you know I'm living it 24-7 like I'm not ashamed or afraid to express myself and I don't care if uh, other people judge me and on the contrary I see them and I love seeing them blush you know I love seeing their reaction like oh like, what did you say? Like, oh, sorry, you know, like... Yeah, that. say this, say this, yeah. and you're coming out again. 
yes, yes, because I love the sadist loves to uh, put people in like extreme situation to ask them like questions they feel uncomfortable and I love to see the reaction. So now that you have embraced your true nature and you have fully integrated the sadist in your personality. I wouldn't say fully because I'm still exploring and there's so much pain to be inflicted. I'm still exploring and the BDSM world is so cute and I already have a wish list of things that I want to do to people. A pain, a pain list is not a wish list. There should be a pain list, a pain list of things that I want to do. Like, oh my God, like, I'm keeping it uh, safe and consensual. And if for a second, because I trust my instinct so much, for a second I feel like something, it's not okay, then I won't do it. Even though my set is like, oh, let, let's see, let's see the pain. Yeah, you know. And so what are the reactions from people when you, bo both friends, they know you're in real life, but also when you go on a date or talk on apps, like and you communicate early on that you're a sadist. From my friends from Vanilla Life, some of them don't fully understand what it means because they are thinking, oh, it's just some part of a sexual play, you know? Yeah. So you are just playing this sexually and they are, especially because I have a lot of uh, men that are my friends and they are thinking, oh, how arousing it is, how exciting it is, you know? They are thinking about only the sex part and like, oh my God, I would like to get a piece of that. And I'm trying to explain to them, no, I'm like a sadist in all parts of my life. I don't feel they are under they understand me 100 so i hope that with this episode when this episode will launch then i'll send them the link and like hey listen there you didn't get anyone calling your name fortunately i didn't and i was like so happy that i didn't maybe the way that i expressed myself because i was so confident smiling you know telling them even laughing like hey i found the missing piece of the puzzle in my life and it's this you know like i had no shame when i told them about this so yeah nobody nobody judged me nobody called me names two of my friends i have to say just like you they said oh that was it that was it like we knew it we knew it like finally you came out and you said you said it yourself like no wonder you know like I, I have a friend who knows me since I was like what since I was like 22 years old and you said like I don't know if I would have named you a sadist but yeah you had that in you and so definitely I could sense it through your vocabulary through your words your jokes everything we understand there's a cost to coming out but it's also a cost to stay in the closet which we discussed before when you didn't realize you were a sadist you were taking it out on people in life exactly in a, without even realizing it but now that you have embraced it what are the positive consequences how have your relationships your business maybe how has every aspect of your your health your life was a massive transformation there so what's important in your life from embracing the cities because i have a serious health condition and uh, actually quite recently like a month ago i received uh, the best news and i think one of the main reasons that my health improved was because i allowed myself to live as a sadist you know 24 7 and to um, have the sadist in the in the bedroom in the in the playground so my life has definitely changed for the better like tremendously like i said everyone noticed first of all is the way i'm talking to people even though i'm like i'm constantly improving constantly trying to improve like desire here yesterday was saying like hey you said exterminate <laughs> And the harsh words that uh, that I'm using, but I said it in like, didn't you laugh afterwards? I didn't did laugh. Didn't you laugh? So I'm uh, I'm saying them in like in a funny context. I would say I'm not lashing on people, but in vanilla life, I'm lashing on people in the bedroom, like using you know my my crops, my cane, playing at every on event. People who consent. <laughs> yes, some people who consent definitely. They even ask me like, let's play at the events. They come and like, hey, would you like to play? They send they see me holding a crop or a cane and say like, oh, would you like to use? 
that on me so obviously they consent and this was a major major transformation like not using my harsh language on people out there people from like business life from like social normal events trying to be friends people like i don't know everywhere you know, one major transformation i was more forgiving uh, and uh, allowing myself to not get so bubbled up and so fired up because of the little things that accumulate inside me whenever i was queuing because i absolutely hate to queue so my patient was tested being a sadist really helped me uh, with my patients and i could uh, lash like i said on people and uh, release all that uh, energy at the end of the day or at the end of the week through some good play uh, another thing i would say uh, that my face my facial expression like really changed like my eyes my entire this is what i'm getting from people this is what people are telling me because me myself in the mirror i'm seeing myself the same but people say that i just have this light in my eyes and the way that i'm smiling and the way that i'm just behaving i have such a light you know like the previous uh, the previous year when i was also like maybe a forced smile or so like no no i'm, I'm just a happy say this i'm a happy say this. <laughs> happy friends this is truly has been an incredible transformation we hope that this episode has encouraged you to embrace your true nature whatever it is and drop the judgments that you have about yourself and allow yourself to explore whatever kinks that you have and to explore your sexuality fully it will have an impact especially on your mental health on your confidence on the way that you show up to people like i said earlier this year i received such a good news about my uh, my condition and just be, uh, last year yeah i had this awesome news because i allow myself to live uh, fully as i say this so then uh, even my brain like oh finally you accept it you accept it who you are i don't have to fight it anymore like yeah. thank goodness <laughs> we are in a happy place now so much of the stress and anxiety that you feel every day really comes from suppressing your true nature and so if you know that there is something inside you a little sadist or a submissive or a masochist or a dominant whatever it is and you are not allowing yourself to express that and you would like help to bring that out in a safe way then go to our patreon and check the options there for coaching and support that we can provide you in this journey to your true self and the sex life that you always desire thank you for joining us on lobby on limits don't forget to check out the show notes for all the resources and links mentioned in this episode on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you are listening to podcasts we are on all the main platforms if you enjoyed our conversation be sure to subscribe and leave a review it helps others find us too Shit is kidding, so if you know someone would dig this, pass it on. And remember, love has no limits. Keep seeking, keep loving.